This is it. The end of the line. You knew you couldn't stay in that cave forever. But you'd hoped that when you left, it wouldn't be the desperate exodus of a dying fool crawling on hands and knees through the mud and brambles. You'd hoped that you'd leave with the sun shining above you and a clear path ahead. A path to something better. Safer. But then the storm hit. You've never seen anything like it. For three days it's raged on with no end in sight. But with your injuries worsening and supplies dwindling, what choice did you have but to venture out into the dark? So you put your head down and pulled tight the collar of your rain-drenched overcoat. All you can do now is try to move forward. The still-bleeding gash in your side aches, and you know it won't be long before this storm breaks you. You pray to whatever gods are listening that you'll soon find some bit of kindness hidden away out there in the cold and rain. That's when you hear them. What? What is that? You push aside the tangle of branches that bar your path, and you see, beyond all hope, salvation. A grand and imposing cathedral in a clearing ahead. Excitement defeats caution, and you charge through the rain towards the massive double doors. As you draw nearer, you see, carved into the marble face of the cathedral, the figures of man and monster alike, standing defiant against the storm. The bells continue to toll out from some lofty tower above you. It's deafening. Hello? Is anyone there? Please, you have to let me in. You bang your fists and cry out for aid but your cries go unanswered. With all your might, you push against the towering doors, and as they slowly creak open, you tumble forward, collapsing into the sanctuary. Struggling to your feet, you turn to see the doors behind you are closed fast, a great wooden beam barring entry from the outside. But how? No matter. You've made it in out of the storm. That's all that's important now. The inside of the cathedral is eerily silent, save for the sounds of the flickering torches that cast their dim light about the sanctuary. As your eyes adjust to the darkness, you start to make out a series of figures. Dotted along every wall, it seems, are statues, innumerable and grotesque, their faces eternally racked with pain and anguish. You cast your gaze towards the dais at the head of the room, and upon it you see a lone figure, draped in dark robes, sitting in front of a small table. The figure looks up and beckons you forward. Long have we waited, but now you've arrived at my table, as the many before you, and so too shall many after. Take your seat to let judgment be passed. The figure extends a long, cloaked arm, pointing towards an elaborate wooden chair, which slides out from beneath the table of its own accord. And as though you are similarly compelled, you take a seat opposite them. The lives of men are short and dull and trivial, but tonight you have one final chance to redeem yourself. You open your mouth to reply, but find your words catch in your throat. Your chest grows tight and cold, as though the air has been sucked from your lungs. The figure bows its head, casting its gaze towards the table between you. You look down to see, laid out in front of you, an opulent golden chessboard its pieces carved of polished bone and silver. Your opponent flicks their hand towards you as a pawn slides ahead. 
You are move, mortal. Your mind races. You want to run, but your body refuses to move. You look about to see that the great cathedral around you has melted into nothingness. All that remains are those hideous statues towering above you. Slowly, you reach out an arm and make your first play. The game lasts for what feels like days. You continue on in agony as blood drips from the still untreated wound at your side. Consciousness comes and goes, but the fear growing inside you always remains. After each move, your shadowy opponent stares up at you expectantly, eagerly awaiting your response. Your pieces are taken one by one, your forces dwindling along with your strength, until suddenly you hear your adversary speak for the first time since the game began. Checkpoint. You look down to see your king, your final piece, trapped and helpless. As the last of your strength leaves your body, you glance up from the board one last time. Your opponent stands before you, their black robes billowing majestically as though some fell wind has blown through the cathedral. From out of the dark that swirls around them, they produce a gnarled staff, on the end of which is affixed a jagged curved blade. Pulling back their hood with one hand, they finally reveal themselves to you. You stare into the empty eyes of a cracked and withered skull. It cackles as it lifts the blade into the air above you. This is it. The end of the line. I hope you all took a moment of silence to, uh, you know, think about and re- reflect on the passing of this poor fictional character that Sam has so ingeniously created for our final opening of Fright Forge. Yeah. Well yeah. done. <laughs> Thank you. I We've had so much fun writing these little intros. Um, I put more effort, I think, into writing that intro and putting that together than probably anything I've ever done on this show, <laughs> which is really like honestly... That was probably, what, three and a half minutes or something like that right there? Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> so, it was great. You know, maybe I should start pulling my weight elsewhere a little more, but yeah. <laughs> no, we'll just turn this into the uh, Fright Forge radio hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would like to do more of these kinds of things actually moving forward in the future. So if, if you enjoyed that, be sure and let us know. But uh, aside from that, welcome back. Welcome back. To World Forage here, you guys. Um, it has been a crazy week leading up to our final episode of Halloween Fright Forge 2020. Yeah, um, actually, Sam almost died. I did, actually. <laughs> so uh, funny enough, you know, our last ac- episode was about fear of hospitals, and I was hospitalized this week. I checked oh. myself into the ER because I, I, th- I thought I had something stuck in my throat. I've had a really bad cough all week, which I'll be trying to stifle throughout this episode. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I checked myself into the ER, and they did some chest x-rays, and there was nothing going on. And then I got a COVID test, and there's all kinds of weird stuff going on. So uh, I definitely don't have COVID, but uh, I'm starting a new job. So we wanted to get the test going just to be safe. But uh, yeah. And then this week we're talking about thanatophobia, the fear of death. And I did also meet death this week, uh, which was very (laughs) exciting. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Nice guy, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I came by and he's like, now's not your time. You can relax. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah. I I basically just spent this week like triaged on the couch because I've been trying to be. This is like as close as we've been basically all week recording this. I was going to say, we created essentially our own little containment bubble. Sam has been living in the living room and I've been in the bedroom quarantining uh, in separate rooms. So yeah. Trying to stay safe. There's there's a lot of just kind of chaotic energy that we've got uh, that's been building up all week going into this episode. So let's hope we can Dude. spin this into something really interesting for our 
final episode of, of Fright Forge. I'm sure we can. I've yeah. got so many <laughs> ideas and things I want to share. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, let's go ahead and, and get into that then, Piper. We've got a couple of different inspirations this week. Mm-hmm. Why don't you start sharing some of your favorites here? I would gladly begin uh, because the thing that I want to draw from first, um, so we're talking about a fear of death itself. When you and I have been talking about this off air, we keep drawing on this idea of the personification of death. Yes. Uh, so a lot of my examples are when death appears as a character. Yeah. Uh, and so the first example that I want to pull from is one of my favorite uh, incarnations of this idea or this trope of death and the maiden. And that is a film adaptation. It's called Death Takes a Holiday. It came out in 1934. Ooh. But then I'm also comparing it to uh, my favorite kind of remake of that, which is Meet Joe Black uh, oh. from 1998. <laughs> and both it's like essentially the same story, but they have very different endings, uh, which is, I think, really interesting. But the basic idea is that death uh, or the Grim Reaper, however you want to perceive him, he has grown tired of, you know, l- only observing Reaping. humanity <laughs> and, and life itself. And he decides that he wants to take human form for a brief amount of time so that he can understand why it is that humans cling to life so dearly. And so in the first one, he shows up at this dinner party uh, looking like a prince and because he appears as this noble person the people who run the household they treat him super well and he in both stories he approaches the father like the head of this household and he says you're going to show me around and you're going to tell me what death is like or life is like because otherwise I was coming here to like take your soul yeah. but I'll let you live a little bit longer if you show me a good time yeah. and so he does that um, but then in also both stories death falls in love with this man's daughter and what's so interesting about the first movie, which I actually think does this a little better, in the first one, in A Death Takes a Holiday, at the end of the film, he reveals himself to the daughter, and she's cool with it. She's like, sweet, you're death? Awesome. Yeah, I'll go with you to that next place. And he's like, fabulous. Let's yeah. do it. See you, everybody. And they just go off and they live happily ever after. In Meet Joe Black, which is my more preferred uh, adaptation, it's so romantic, and I love it a whole lot. But in that one, he reveals himself to her, and like many people would, she gets very freaked out. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go away and think for a little bit. And she leaves. And then he decides, I can't take you with me because that means you're going to die. And yeah. so he essentially returns the body that he's taken back to this man who she actually met the beginning of the film and like fell in love with. Yeah, the, you've probably seen the clip of when Brad Pitt gets suddenly hit by a car. It's very it's, funny. It's a weird comical <laughs> scene. Otherwise, not really like a comedy movie. <laughs> it's very good. But no, I love this just because I love the idea of this great romance that happens of like falling in love with this impossible idea personified into a person like wow how, how do you even yeah. handle that i i think that's really cool and i also really love my, the, my favorite thing of that that i instantly hone in on is you know the devil or death are are, are I think often portrayed as kind of like wheelers and dealers mm-hmm. and the idea of death coming for you and saying, you know what? I was going to take you, but here's the thing. I've got a proposition for you. Right. If you want to show me around, if I have a good time, if you can give death the greatest party of his life mm-hmm. for one night, I'll let you stay around a little bit longer. Now, yeah. how cool would that be as an adventuring party in a D&D game or something? Right. If death comes for one of your players, so, you know, say this would happen at the end of like a great battle. You fight like a, you know, a colossal dragon or something like that one of your characters is on death's door and death comes down to take him and and he's like hey what are you doing on my door yeah 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 (laughs) exactly like you street urchins get off my stoop uh (laughs) death comes down and he says you know what i've just god i'm just so i'm so sick of this every this work a day 
you know, life, being the Grim Reaper. It's so boring. I want to see what it's like for you guys. If you can show me some kind of a crazy party in the mortal realm, if you can make it fun for me to do this job again, to come and hang out with you mortals for a bit and then take one of you back, I'll give your your buddy their, their life back. You know, you just have to make sure that I have the best night of my life. Mm-hmm. How cool would that be? What would you do to show the Grim Reaper the greatest time ever? You know, would right. you take him out to, you know, all the brothels around the place? <laughs> would you show him the finest elven wines and dwarven ales? Or take him ta- out to a beautiful concert? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, what would you do to show death a good time? What's something that death can't experience in the underworld or in you know in the space between the living and the dead Mm -hmm. that you know only mortals can kind of perceive or experience or understand i think that would be a really fun challenge for a party to see how can you endear yourselves to death exactly and meet joe black all they have to do is give him peanut butter and he loves it (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly Mm -hmm. it's it's just like when you know like they don't have peanut butter in europe like if europeans come to visit you want to impress them just give him a peanut butter spoon (laughs) like here lick this welcome to the u.s of a yeah Yeah, uh when (laughs) I, I think that's uh, that would be a really fun adventure, and I think that's a great starting example here. I actually had a few that I wanted to touch on that were actually from like actual folklore, and I wanted to give a little bit of a background, too, into just the sort of etymology of even just the name Thanatophobia. So Thanatophobia or Thanatophobia, it comes from Thanatos, the Greek god of death, uh, which I think has a really in- a couple of really interesting associations. So um, Thanatos, I believe, is the daughter, the, the son of Nyx, the yes. goddess of night, mm-hmm. and their brother is hypnos the the god of sleep yes and that there's that sort of double-sided it all works uh, kind together. of energy there yeah, yeah so very cool. well that, yeah that that um you know sleep and death are kind of linked like mm-hmm. a, a sleep is like well no, i was gonna say a little death but that's something else <laughs> <laughs> that's something else le petit mot that's something else entirely um but these two are kind of when they come together it's kind of associated with like a peaceful death that mm-hmm. you you know either not necessarily you go in your sleep but you go quietly it's not like a painful you know gory bloody death in battle or uh, something like that but do not go quietly into that good no, night no no exactly uh and I, I think that's a really cool way to personify these to connect all of those things together that i think frankly make a lot of sense to connect at yeah. least sort of visually speaking mm-hmm. like that or, or metaphorically speaking um there were a few others in a few in a few different um kind of regions of the ancient world that i wanted to talk about in celtic folklore specifically there were a couple of really really interesting ones um there was one that they talked about called the anko anku ankau i don't know if i'm pronouncing this correctly but basically it's death comes as the spirit of the last person to die in your community and they ride in on this great you know wooden carriage with a creaky axle and it's piled high with corpses and they go around and you know basically collect all of the you know the spirits of the dead they go like you know house to house and they you know they gather all your dead and then every time someone new dies they take the place of this spirit at the head of the carriage and i love that sort of communal aspect of it. it you know it's like it's like carpooling to hell or something like that. Um, I think that's really neat. Yeah. You, you kind of you switch off the responsibility of mm-hmm. ferrying the dead to the other side. Well, it makes me think of the uh, I think it must be from like a poem or something, but the idea that death rides a pale horse. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. When you yeah. talked about them riding in on something, that's immediately where my mind went. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, speaking of horses, actually, there is another I, – I love that you specifically would mention death riding a pale horse because that's always what I think of too. But another one that I looked up from Celtic folklore, this one from uh, Irish folklore specifically, is the Dullahan, which is it's, – it's sort of like an Ichabod Crane type 
character where they hold their own head in their arm and their head is said to have a great smile that goes ear to ear cool. and they ride a great dark horse a great like black like monstrous beast of a horse right cool. and they go house to house and they call out the names of those who are said to die next and as soon as they say your name you just die instantly spooky and they don't like to be looked at i think the the idea is that they're sort of self-conscious about their ghostly form mm-hmm. and so if you look at them they have a whip made of a spine and they use it to whip the eyes out of your head and yikes you go i love it oh yeah. cool they can do that or they also apparently they carry around a great basin of blood and they'll splash it on you which is like an <laughs> this omen this guy's got their arms full I, yeah they've I got know. a whip and a head and a basin of blood <laughs> it's it's like a bloodborne enemy honestly like it really <laughs> is like there's not that's so classically dark souls uh bloodborne like I, I love it um I, I think that's really cool actually i had i had heard of this character first because it was a boss in I think a game series that I talked about a few episodes ago, the Golden Sun series of games, mm-hmm. there's a secret boss that it's the captain of this like ghost ship that's named Dullahan. And he has a skeletal whip like that. And nice. it's like the, the most hit points and highest, you know, damage of it. He's the hardest enemy in the game or something like that. Um, you know, I beat him a couple of times. Not a big deal. But, oh, yeah. You know, well, uh, I, I thought that was really cool. Like I love to see. Um, you know, folklore characters like this used in that way, used as bosses or as enemies or things like that. And I think Dullahan is a type of deathly personification or deathly, you know, sort of specter that is a lot less common than the things we normally see. It's not just a guy in a cloak with a, you know, big scythe or something. Mm-hmm. No, that's yeah. very cool. Um, I kind of want to touch on when you mentioned Thanatos, I also had written down here that Apparently in the original, like Marvel Comics. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Thanos, there's a, a rendition of that story, or maybe it's the original story and they adapted it. But apparently he was in love with death. Yes. Uh, and so that's why he wanted to reap like half of the people from existence. Yeah. Because he thought he could impress her by killing that many people, exactly. which I think is very dark and romantic. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sucks. But like, what a way to prove your love to some great thing. Like if you're like, oh, I, I've fallen in love with death. Like, obviously, if I kill a bunch of people, she'll like me. Yeah. So my <laughs> understanding of the differentiation between the comics and the movies is that uh, one, I think Thanos has really awesome, interesting motivations in in both oh, yeah. mediums, right? Yeah. I, I think Thanos is definitely the, you know, strongest, like, not physically strongest, but like the most interesting villain that Marvel has had in the movies, right? Um, the fact that he is just insane, but he, you know, he has something that as a crazy person, you could kind of be like, okay, I can see why you would think this would work, right? Um, in the comics, he's much more just like... I don't think this is fixing any problem. It's just selfishly for me. And I don't think it's half the universe that he wants to wipe out. I think it's literally all living beings in, in the universe across like all planes. He's like, I want to just destroy everything because mm. I know that's the way that I could get death's attention. Um, <laughs> and death is this. She's very much like the like the Norse goddess hell mm-hmm. that she's this sort of, you know, um, like godlike figure that is just this embodiment of chaos and destruction and, and the end of all things, basically. Very and so cool. he's just like, yo, you're a hot lady that likes murders. What if I was a big, you know, lumpy purple dude that likes murders? Could we have something going on? <laughs> it's like, what about this, though? It's like, I like the same things that you like. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. You want to go out sometime? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, that was like Thanos' kind of pickup line was just wiping out the universe. Yeah. Oh, totally. He's like, hey, baby, you up? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but since we're on the topic of gods of death, uh, the other one that I wanted to mention that I have written down here is, of course, Anubis. Oh, yes. Um, which is, first of all, my favorite uh, visual design of all the Egyptian gods. I mean, he's got Certainly. that cool head of a jackal. Very neat. But the thing that I want to actually talk about is I've come across a couple of 
uh, pieces of art just online that people have drawn of Anubis in like a modern setting. And it's always like this really beautiful scene. It's really sad, but very cute of it'll be like a hospital room and there'll be a child who has passed away in the bed and the, the family is there mourning them. But then in the background or the foreground or somewhere, you see Anubis and he's holding the child by their hand or he's got them in his arms and he's guiding them off to this like more peaceful land of the dead or or wherever he's taking them. And it's just like, it's so sweet and I like it a lot. Uh, And so, yeah, no, I just, I wanted to mention that one. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Did we, I just want to real quick back up. Did we specifically talk about what actually we're doing with this? We're we're talking about thanatophobia, the fear of death, and we're building an adventure around that. Did we really specifically (laughs) kind of cover that yet? Or are we, am I going crazy? It's implied. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You've listened to the other three episodes this week. So you probably, or this, this last month. So you probably know what's going on at this point. So maybe we'll make an adventure with Anubis. Yeah. Every episode is somebody's first episode. So I want to, you know, um, yeah. So considerate of us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I, I, I love Anubis. I think the Egyptian sort of relationship with death and the afterlife specifically is so interesting because there's so much of the, you know, we kind of say in contemporary times, well, you can't take it with you, but this sense it, of, no, you, you, you gotta, can. Yeah. You got to bury me with all my cool stuff so yeah. I can, you know, have like a cool golden treadmill and so I can stay buff in the afterlife or whatever. No, you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think I mentioned it on a previous episode talking about how we studied in my art history class there was this one temple that literally they built an athletic track into it because they're like our guy loves to be fit so yeah. he better be able to run in the yeah. next world absolutely yeah, that's uh, so cool i think the only sad and really spooky thing about that is the idea and i think they also did this in some viking cultures as well yeah. is that they were like well this guy has just died so we have to kill his wives yeah. and his horses yeah. and his favorite cats yeah. and so that because he's going to want to have them with them and i remember reading about that too in certain viking things as well it's like oh well better hope your husband doesn't die because they're going to put you on that boat right. when they set it on fire. Or you could, just, you could just be like a really shitty wife that he doesn't like, you know what I mean? Yeah, then maybe like, that'll oh, be... He probably doesn't want to spend eternity with her. She yeah. can go. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, what a way to like get back at somebody. It's like, <laughs> watch this, you bastard. I'm going to kill that person you hate and yeah. bury them with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you're stuck with them forever. <laughs> <laughs> man, that would be a cool... Oh, man. What, a, what should... an excellent curse. Yeah, yeah, think about putting that into our story. Yeah, I like that a lot. Cool. <laughs> yeah, sneak somebody into your coffin with you so that you're, you're stuck with them for all eternity. Oh, boy, yeah. that would suck. Yeah. They're just right there in your face. <laughs> You'd be like like Statler and Waldo for like Marley and Marley style. You know, you're just chained together for all eternity. Dude, yeah. it's funny you mentioned that. I'll make this super fast. I just want to say um, <laughs> the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah, I thought about trying to include that one in there too. Yeah, but yeah that's a, a great one. Because I always see the ghost of Christmas future essentially portrayed as the Grim Reaper. Mm-hmm. They're always just a shrouded figure. I haven't seen them ever with a scythe, but they usually have like skeletal bone hands that they'll yeah. use to point at things. I've and... seen them with a big sharpened candy cane. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, to yeah. each their own. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's a great one. Um, so I like all of these options as kind of the, the idea of someone that ferries you between the living and the dead world is really interesting to me that they basically just open the door and they help you walk through it. Mm-hmm. And so I like that sense of. You know, sometimes we have death as this kind of, it's easy to view death as like a, an evil, malicious kind of character. Mm-hmm. But I think it's much more interesting to look at them as somebody that is kind of a neutral force, mm-hmm. that it's just a job they do. And they're not trying to take you because, you know, they, they want to harm you or hurt you. They're just saying, it's your time. And I preserve the balance between, between these two realms, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, one interesting example of that is, I, I kind of see this as an interesting example. In, in some cultures, the wild hunt is viewed uh, in that way, right? Where, uh-huh. yeah, uh, uh, the wild hunt, definitely something we've talked about a couple times on the show. Or if you're, you know, if you've played The Witcher 3, you're probably 
probably familiar with it, but basically it's this host of spirits that they ride through like a, like a barbarian horde essentially. And they take all of the kind of wandering spirits with them. And when wild hunt comes into town in some iterations, if you see them, your soul is, you know, stolen out of your body and whisked away, you know, to join them for all of eternity. But in some, uh, you know, other iterations of it, it is more kind of, uh, you know, benevolent like that, where they're just saying these sort of lost spirits, we're gathering them all together. And that's the host that we are kind of building. It's not just stealing people from their beds at night. It's sort of helping these spirits find their way, which Collecting I think is the a, lost ones. Yeah. I think that's a really, really cool sort of ghostly energy. Have, having these types of spirits that aren't evil. Very is cool. Cool to me. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Um, I've written down just a couple of, uh, famous phrases that are related with death as oh, well. Yeah. Go that for I think it. are good things to keep in mind. Go for I mean, it. we already had the pale horse, but yes. then also I have here just the idea of, you know, you can't cheat death, but, yeah. uh, I mean, your opening definitely had a reference to the seventh seal. Yeah. Yeah. Which is my next example. Ingram Bergman. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Ingram film, Bergman, right. Yeah. Where that character does play a game of chess with Max von Sydow. Actually. Hey, yeah. look at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this idea that maybe you can like talk your way out of it or like play a game sort of like the way that you gamble with the devil, perhaps that is possible. And yet yeah. the last example that I have here for a saying is the classic thing. Uh, nothing could be said to be certain except death and taxes. <laughs> of course. Yes. Maybe, you know, maybe there's like a death tax that you pay to the Grim Reaper. If you, that would be kind of a cool thing is if you keep buying your way to, you know, to delay your end, mm -hmm. that would be kind of, you know, and you, maybe you couldn't use, you know, gold, like normal mortal material currency. Maybe you would have to buy your way the, the death tax is someone else's soul or something. So yeah. a character that every time death comes for them, they go, wait, hold on a minute and, they, and stab whoever's next door to them. Well, you know, and that makes get to go instead. That makes me think of um, I've always loved in Pirates of the Caribbean the way that Davy Jones is portrayed. He's also yeah. essentially a grim reaper of the sea. Yeah, totally. It's his job to harbor the souls between, you know, worlds and everything. And that's exactly the situation that happens between him and Jack when he comes for Jack's soul and Jack is able to say, hey, what is my soul worth? How many other people do do I have to give yeah. you for you to leave me alone? And he decides 99 souls is yeah. the, the amount that I need. 99 souls. souls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I keep the boy. 99 <laughs> souls. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love to I love to Pirates of the Caribbean impression. It's, it's so, so fun. <laughs> My that that one. Okay, da anything Davy Jones says, he just has such a strange manner of speaking. Oh, it's so good. It's really fun to imitate that. And obviously, my favorite is the you best start believing in blank. You're in one. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Wants him out for uh, Barbosa. Very very good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love those. Um, yeah, uh, the Seventh Seal by Ingmar Bergman. That was my next example here. I think that's heavily what I was drawing on with the intro that I put together here. Mm -hmm. I thought that idea of, you know, playing chess with with death to see if you can best them and if you are able to then you get to go on and keep living that there's always one last opportunity you have there's there's one chance because you you cling to life so desperately you'll do anything to stay alive i think that's really really neat um, yeah. and uh, for anybody who's not familiar with it max von saito plays a knight during the black plague and he you know ascent he encounters death and the the story you know that this game they play essentially spans the entire length of the movie and there's all these kind of stories that are going on 
you know, I think he, I think he's like having memories of his life or something as they're playing. Is it's, how it goes. Yeah. yeah, it's a highly parodied scene because yes, it's a part of like certainly. classic cinema. Um, yeah. But there is uh, they did a version of it in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes. Except I think there was like a, you know, some kind of like a, a rock off or it, yeah, a, probably was a, battle a of music bands. off. Yeah. With uh, death himself. Um, but also in a movie that I'm a big fan of, uh, The Last Action Hero. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, when there's a part where all of these characters from cinema, they come out of this movie screen and one of them is death which yeah. is played by ian mckellen in that version really yeah oh, that's so funny yeah i like that yeah i i think that's a great it the visual look of that it's just so simple it's just a black cloak and a guy with a white mask mm-hmm. uh that it's just actually i think it's just weird. his painted face yeah it might just be a painted face and okay it's it's so just the simplicity of it yeah is so cool i love that very neat yeah yeah very very neat um so go and look that up seventh seal by ingmar bergman like 1947 or something like that i think yeah. exactly or you know yeah. sign up for a uh, intro to cinema class at your local community <laughs> yeah. college they'll probably tape I'm, your eyes open and force you to watch it a i'm sure they'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you watch it <laughs> absolutely uh any other examples that you've got Piper, I've got I've got two more quick ones here. Um, give us the quick ones because okay. yeah, I'm ready. So the the other one that I want to talk about, I want to talk about uh, not necessarily like actual Grim Reapers or personifications of death, but things that I think heavily draw upon that from pop culture in interesting ways. One is the uh, the Dark Wraiths from Dark Souls. Um, it's this really cool covenant of essentially they were they used to be knights of the four kings of New Londo. They were they fell from grace essentially when the kings were consumed by the abyss, and they were taught the art of of, uh, life stealing. So essentially they can steal your humanity from you. Well, they sound like and, Dementors. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're kind of like Dementors. And their armor, it looks like their armor is made out of like charred blackened bone. Cool. And their their masks are just a hideous like skull. And in the, the flavor text of the game, it says the mask may have fused with the flesh of the Dark Wraiths themselves. So it might actually be their skull that you're seeing. Awesome. And you can't like take that mask off anymore that has become their new face and their new identity i think that's really really cool um and they were so it was basically this like group of them they were so dangerous that um this group of mages they flooded the entire city to stop anybody from ever getting in there again so that the the dark rates are essentially locked away in the city for all of eternity until spoilers over the course of the the first game you you know uh, open up the floodgates and, and drain the city and then you have to go and fight them all. But I think cool. there's such a cool group of enemies with such interesting lore to them that are very much Reaper-like. You know, they steal the life energy from you yeah. through this forbidden magic. Uh, that's really, really cool. Uh, you know, imag- I'm imagining maybe a and d character that they look up to the Grim Reaper and they say, oh my gosh, Death, you're my hero. I want to learn magic so that I can imitate your powers of stealing life. And somebody's going in as like an imposter Grim Reaper going house to house, essentially. They're just cosplaying as the Grim Reaper. <laughs> and they're going place to place and stealing, you know, stealing all the all your firstborn or stealing your elderly spirits or, you know, doing whatever. Just yeah. as a fun thing. That would be a cool villain, I think, to chase down in a D&D game. They say imitation is a form of flattery. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and the last one that I had is actually kind of... Kind of a comical one here that I wanted to talk about um, from the game Grim Fandango, which is a Tim Schafer game that came out in the late 90s. It was from that era of LucasArts kind of point and click kind of comedy adventure games. And you play as this guy named uh, Manny Calavero, and he's basically a travel agent in in like limbo, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he like books tickets.
gets to the other side for people when they die. And he judges based on their deeds if they have to do this like four year journey to earn their way into the underworld or if they get the express like luxury train that brings them there instantly. Yeah. Uh, and it's a really cool kind of, you know, you're just this big skeleton guy who wears like a cool white suit. And Dude, he's this, nice. Yeah. Does it, he every, have a nice hat? He has, he's got a cool hat. It, everything takes place in, it, it, it's like, um, like Dia de los Muertos, like skull kind of like, inspired uh like visuals it's a really really cool visual style for the game and it's it's funny in a way that all tim schaefer games are so Very cool. um i think that's a cool one to to look up that would be a really fun character to base a pc on i think is somebody like that who they they are again kind of a benevolent just sort of neutral spirit my job is just helping people find i'm a travel agent i help you find your way to the underworld yeah. that's really funny to me no i like that a lot yeah. um i think it's a good segue into kind of more some of the discussion we're going to have as we start to create but yeah. this idea you mentioned the underworld and that was something that we kind of talked about a little bit before we started recording today and i think to kind of bring it back to this sort of idea and this theme that we've had for these four episodes during fright forge is you know what is the foundation of this fear that people have and so honestly i think one of the things that is at the core of the fear of death itself is the idea that there is no underworld there is no afterlife yeah because if we knew that that was coming, I feel like people would fear death less. Yeah. So you'd say, okay, it's just another place you go to. It's right. A, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's something that we should consider when we're creating. Because if you just think, oh, well, when I die, that will suck, but I'll be with all my family and I'll be at this next yeah. place and that'll be cool. I think a foundation of the actual, you know, fear of death is the this fear of nothingness. Yeah. Of an sure. end, a permanent end. And you don't know what's coming after that. Yeah. Lo- like loss of or or even loss of control like mm-hmm. you know even if you go on you go on as a part of something that's bigger than you that you no longer have agency you just have to watch for all eternity or you know somewhere your existence is altered in some significant way that essentially it is as though you don't exist anymore right yeah. which is kind of something that's sort of explored in one of our favorites Hades town yeah is this idea that people who go to Hades town they essentially sell their soul for the ability to work and then yes, they work yeah. their lives away and so they kind of become deaf and blind to everything except for the labors that are given before yeah. them because that is their new purpose and Absolutely. yeah they kind of become these mindless zombies but yeah, yeah. gotta get to hell or to hades town ain't no difference anymore exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, i i so i think that's a great point to kind of start then i agree i think as we're thinking about this we should we should come up with together what we think our personification of death should look like, mm-hmm. um, what their sort of mode of operations is, where it is that they're trying to take you when they come and take your soul or when they, you know, bargain for your soul or buy your soul from you or whatever it is that they do. Um, and how a D and D party could go on an adventure kind of interacting with them. Um, that actually kind of brings up something interesting. I like the idea almost of death being like a merchant of souls. Like they're a traveling, like the same, like a caravan, like traveler, the same way as somebody who sells spices or anything like that is they go town to town. And they buy the souls of all the nearly dead, you know, the dying and the sickly. And they say, I will, I will purchase them. I will give you a a boon in exchange for their soul. And then I will take them to the place where they, you know, where all the souls belong or something like that. That could be kind of an interesting thing too. I like, And maybe you have to escort this caravan of the dead. Maybe, yeah. They will hire you. I like the the traveling idea because that makes sense. The idea that they'd have to go around, obviously, to take care of everybody. Um, Should we also talk about this idea of... 
Because people die constantly all the time. Yeah. So this individual, they can't actually just be one person, right? They I mean, have they to could be, be like Santa Claus. They could be magically everywhere. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like they have to be when you see them. There's a line that they kind of talk about this in Meet Joe Black, where he yeah. asks him as they're walking down the street one day. He's like, so you're here with me now. Does that mean no one's dying? And he's like. I can multitask, essentially. <laughs> like, I, while I'm yeah. with you, I'm also seeing to everyone who's dying around the world yeah, okay. right now at the same time. So I think yeah. that's important to think about, too. So, you know what? Maybe it's like a, it's like a guild, like a trade guild of death dealers here, essentially. Yeah. So it's not just one person's job. You know, there would probably be a person at the head of this organization that kind of laid out the foundation and for how... And that is like death themselves. Yes, that would be actual death. And, and then, then they have their, yeah, their people. Yeah. It's like a pyramid scheme. Like death is... <laughs> Mentioning pyramid, pyramid scheme. schemes on the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, you've got to have your, you know, your guy at the top, the tip of the pyramid, then all your middle management as it widens out, and then all the people that feed souls into them. You know, that's how it works, right? Okay, I like that. I see. <laughs> I think in this, in the, in the middle tier where we have our people who are out collecting, that yeah. could be. I bet there's a bunch of different jobs you could have within that that yeah. tier. So yeah. there could be merchants like you described. I also think death appearing as a physician. Would oh, be cool. good because, yeah, if, you know, a mysterious person comes to town, they're like, oh, I'm a doctor. Let me look at them. And yeah. then they go to look at them and they come out. They're like, there was nothing I could do. They're gone. And it's like, what? They only had a cough. And yeah, it's like, exactly. well, like, bye. <laughs> maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. I, I like this idea, too. Yeah, that that there's one person who says, I am death. We have to collect souls and bring them elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But I don't have the time or the inclination maybe to do this all on my own. I will hire out anybody who wants to do this and I don't care how you do it. You just yeah. have to get these souls. The one thing that they have in common is they all have some mechanism for capturing souls in, you know, in a vial or in a box or in a something like that. Mm -hmm. And they take it to wherever to send them to the other side. They take it to Shibalba or whatever. Yeah, right? and they pass them <laughs> to the underworld. Um, I think that's neat. So maybe, yeah, there would be people who say, no, I'm a priest and I will administer last rites and I will peacefully and calmly gather this soul in a gentle and loving way and then there's people who are merchants and they would buy the souls of of the recently departed from you they would go to you know they would go to places where people have died and they would say i will leave gold in a bucket and then all the souls will come with me um or there would be people who are yeah like rogues who would sneak in in the night and kill you or physicians who would you know administer poison instead of medicine i yeah. think that's a really interesting thing i like that a lot another like role or kind of character that I'm envisioning for this because one of the greatest sources of death is war. I think one of the higher ups on this kind of like tier yeah. would be someone who is a general. Oh, cool. And I think maybe this person, they've been around for a long time. So I bet they can, uh, like, essentially possess actual living generals in the mortal plane okay. and they can just go into them and they'll be the ones or they're like the secretaries of war they're the ones who say we need to go to war against this like rival kingdom regardless of blah 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 you know they can yeah. make up the reasons why because they know if they do that they lead these men and women into battle they'll say i'll have so many souls at the end of this yeah. and i am going to take so many it's going to be great i love this idea that death becomes like an industry sort mm -hmm. of like right. the, the death industrial complex you know <laughs> that yeah. we have to keep prolonging war and we have to keep you know allowing people to die from maybe preventable illnesses things like that because mm -hmm. if we don't this whole piece of the economy kind of falls apart how many people are you know they're not able to pay their rent they get you know their family gets sick a plague sweeps through maybe a few of them die and they're like well okay we survived but we're homeless now and then this merchant of death comes through and he says i'll give you some gold in exchange for their souls 
that saves them. You know, they can, they can go on and, you know, and stay in their home. They can buy food again. Like that's an important part of this economy in this world. Are you implying that their, their family members pass away, but then their souls are just lingering and this person wants to buy the lingering souls? Yeah. That's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying that like merchants do. Cause I, I think what I'm picturing is these souls could just stay here forever, but the world will get all, places. yeah, exactly. Okay. They will haunt places. The world will get all clogged up with these souls. So you have to send them over to the other world and only somebody who is, you know, able to do that as a member of the guild can do it. So when, when the merchants come through and they pay you for these souls, that's like a nice thing that happens. People are like, at, you know, our, our beloved family member died, but at least we have something to show for it. There's some like benefit. So it's this part of this kind of circle. So, okay. I like that we've kind of created a bit of a list of things here. So we've got yeah. a doctor, a merchant, a general, an assassin. I feel like there needs to be a random person that like just because there's this whole idea that, you know, death is unbiased. It just takes yeah. people. Um, And so I feel like this needs to be the person who's kind of behind natural disasters and things like that. Oh, cool. And I want it to be a small child, like someone who like that's what they look like. They look like a kid yeah. because they're just like, oh, well, you know lightning here flood here <laughs> earthquake here doesn't yeah. matter like i'm just killing whoever i want to and, and yeah what's more chaotic than just a you know a child with right no, yeah with no rules exactly yeah. so i think that's another one of them is this kind of little i think that's when all of these people get together around the uh, i don't know metaphysical coffee <laughs> machine to like chat or whatever yeah. um they definitely uh when the new guy comes in they're like hey watch out for the little girl she's one of the worst people Absolutely. here yeah i like this and you know what i think is cool about this is i don't think it's necessarily important what the identity of any one of these characters is mm-hmm. i think it's just important that all of these figures are out in the world there could be there could be hundreds or thousands of any of these, you know, They're, these are just different roles you can have in this organization, you know, exactly. these are the ways that you can harvest souls. And so the the ideal situation is whether you're visited by the merchant or the, the assassin or the child or the physician or whatever, the souls leave the place that they were stuck in otherwise right very cool um so that's that's just like an important sort of force in Mm -hmm. the universe um something else that i think could be interesting if we want to try and introduce you know an external conflict into this is we have all of these individuals traveling around with you know sometimes hundreds of souls at once or thousands of souls in the case of like the general you know Mm -hmm. if they're gathering souls after battles maybe there is a a wizard or something somewhere that says hey those souls, those have life energy in them still. They, they're magical. If I could get my hands on those, I could use that to power my spells or power my, you know, or gain eternal life, you know, like power a phylactery or something like that. So maybe, you know, if, if this merchant hires you to escort them through the desert, it's because they know this wizard is trying to steal all the souls. Or maybe the souls are already, the souls are already stolen and they hire you to go and get them back from this evil wizard. That could be kind of an interesting adventure. That certainly would. I feel like it'd be very, it would take a very, very powerful person to do that. Yeah. Because I think that these, I want to refer to them as agents of death. They, I think, mm-hmm. are essentially untouchable. Like you couldn't, yeah. like if you tried to like punch them, it wouldn't work unless they decided to like take on a, a physical form just for the fun of fighting you. Yeah. But like, I think, yeah, you would have to maybe if there is a wizard capable of doing this, maybe they were once a agent of death themselves that okay. was kicked out. That's interesting. And so that's why they're trying to go and grab more. See, that's that's really interesting because my thought process behind my, my like kind of idea was that this isn't necessarily a job that you have to be inherently magical to 
carry out. Like some people who do this might be magical, might be super powerful, but for others, it's kind of just like being a garbage man a little bit. It's kind of like a blue collar job. See, I was so, thinking, because yeah. uh, you mentioned on the bottom tier are the people yeah. who like feed information to the the agents. And so yeah. I was thinking more so like if you elevate up to an agent level and you are a collector, quote unquote, yeah, okay. then you have this ability. Cool. If you're someone beneath hoping to get up to that tier, you're someone who's like, oh, I, I know someone you can kill. <laughs> and they're out like scooping out sure. like sick people, bad people anything yeah, like okay. that but it should be something where there is different sort of strata of power at mm-hmm. different levels over the very least and maybe not all the agents are like that i mean there should be different levels of agent i right. think too like, like i think the general and yeah. the child are two of the most powerful ones certainly and then there are ones that are like no i have to pay people to come with me and do things you know to protect me or things yeah. like that yeah that would be that, that'd be really cool yeah one image that i had in my mind when we started talking about this this kind of tier system is and it actually it kind of contradicts what i just said about that lower group but yeah. i like the idea that death originally was doing this themselves and then as centuries went on they're like you know what this is so much work i can hire people to do this like the heavy lifting for me yeah. but i think the job that death still does is they are the ones who has this I don't know, maybe it's a library, maybe it's a giant scroll, but they're the ones deciding your time is up. Like, you can't yeah, okay. cheat this. I've decided that you, Jeffrey Johnson, have to die <laughs> on April 1st, whatever the year. Yeah, deal with it. Whatever, exactly. Yeah. That's when your time is. Um, And so I see that person, death themselves, just being sort of like, they're just surrounded by all this paperwork or... Yeah, they're, these... they're a bureaucrat now more than anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, they're in their office in a high tower and they're working in, in charting out the fates of all of humanity. I think that's really cool. So I think that something that I really wanted for this episode was for us to get a really clear picture of who death is, mm-hmm. especially. So should we maybe jump into that a little bit more? And yeah. we have kind of an idea of this organization that death is at the head of now. Mm-hmm. Who is death? Yeah, you know? right. What, what are you, what are you like? Death? This is your, <laughs> this is your like time magazine interview here, death. <laughs> I think death needs to be like non-gendered. They yes. are a they, uh, sure. because they could take any form and be anybody that yeah. they choose. I also, cause we talked before about this idea of balance. I see yeah. in, in my mind, and I'm kind of feeling like a little influenced by Laura Olympus right now, which is a great webcomic. If you haven't heard about it, look it up. It's fabulous, uh, yes. about Hades and Persephone. But I'm, I'm seeing this whole kind of like office like kind of setting. And when I see that, I picture there being like a white <laughs> telephone essentially yeah. where they often pick up the phone and they're talking to life. There's this other person who says, Oh, cool. It's like, all right. So I've calculated about 500,000 something, something like deaths this month or this day or whatever. And she's like, great, I'm going to, or they will be like, yeah, and I'm going to make sure that these new lives come into the world because there always needs to be kind of this balance. Yeah. It's, it's them calculating like, okay, how many, how many of X, Y, and Z resources are available? How many lives can the world sustain right now? How many do we have to put into or pull out of the system day to day to keep things running smoothly? So life is considering how many new New lives can they're always trying to make new babies and make new people enter into the system and death is the one who has to kind of say okay you added 5,000 people today that means I have to pull out you know 6,000 people because mm-hmm. we you know we, we see like a spike in resource use coming up soon yeah, yeah. no I like that a lot um, I can see 
death. I mean, life in that way, almost being someone who's like, okay, well, I'm going to either a kind of romantically be like, all right, these people are falling in love. They're going to have a baby or they're like really <laughs> sexy and raunchy. And they're like, well, these people are boning and these people are boning. So they're pregnant and they're pregnant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, well, I would totally see life as somebody that if this were like a Kevin Smith movie, right? Like life would be, life would be Alan Rickman or whoever. Right. And they would just be walking down the street and they would just point at women and they'd go, oh, and they'd be pregnant. And they'd go, what? It's like, and you're horny and you're yeah. Horny and you're exactly. fertile. Yeah. Uh, I think that would be an interesting and strange power. You know, how would you reconcile somebody coming into town and being like, like what? What a weird power for right? some character to have, right? <laughs> no, it's totally. Not someone who should just be running around amok in the world. Exactly. At large. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea. Kind of what you were touching on earlier is that um, they death would get a phone call from life, and they'd be saying, "Hey, this one country, it is it's too crowded. I need yeah. you to send like a monsoon or a plague yeah. or something, or give me a war." And he's like, "Great, I'll have uh, the general get on that right away." <laughs> they have, they put in like a requisitions order for a tornado. Or exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take care <laughs> of some of these souls for you. Of course. I yeah. That's so cool. Okay, so then maybe this would be the adventure that we go on is uh, maybe the general is out sick or something like that or some there, there's some kind of a – somebody's like messing with the organization, right? And this this would be the, the long-term adventure, the like big kind of epic level endgame adventure is find who's messing with the organization and stop them, right? Mm-hmm. But the kind of starting adventure is you're a group of, uh, of – sort of your successful D&D party, right? Death comes to you and they say, hey, I got an order for a thousand deaths in this region. You have to go and take care of this for me. You know, my normal guys, they're not available right now. Mm -hmm. I want to contract this out to you. What can you do to just go and cause chaos in this region? That would be a really fun adventure for an evil party. Like we have gone. I was just going to say, if you have any like uh, lawful good people, they would not agree. (laughs) They'd be like, no, No, I will try and kill you instead. Uh, But I mean, but you know, maybe not. Like, I think that would be an interesting conversation to try and convince, you know, if you have like a life paladin Mm -hmm. in your, or, you know, or a life domain cleric or something like that in your party, if you told them, okay, these people have to to die because if they don't thousands more will mm-hmm. you know because resources will run out it will cause a famine or you know like overpopulation plagues whatever all of these terrible things can happen because this balance isn't preserved so maybe this cleric or paladin who doesn't like taking lives they would say okay like I disagree with the methods, but I acknowledge that big picture. This is a thing we have to do. Like Mm -hmm. that would be a really interesting role play opportunity to have your party members who say, no, I'm totally okay with killing people. Talk to your party members who are like, no, 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 no. We don't just kill willy nilly. Like where's the middle ground there? No, definitely. Yeah. I'm also thinking again, because bringing it back to kind of our core idea, this the fear of death itself, that might be a good reason of why these people agree to this in the first place because death yeah. appears to them and just seeing death almost like destroys their bodies oh, and their course. minds. Yeah. And they're like, I will go away if you do this for me. And they're like, yeah. yes, yes, of course, anything you want. Yeah. Like, please just leave. We don't want to die. It's like, great. <laughs> you have to kill people and then you get to live. It's sort of like how, you know, if you in, in like Cthulhu mythos, there's the great old ones and even just just conceiving of their physical form will drive you to madness. Right. right? Exactly. It's like that, except for how, you know, if you're really nervous to ask your boss for a raise and you go into their <laughs> office and you start sweating and you're like, oh, um, ooh, I want more uh, money, please, sir. Uh, like, that's what it's like when you talk to death. It's just like a, an anxiety attack. I was just thinking of in um, uh, Holy Grail when God appears to them and he's like, what are you doing now? They're like, mm-hmm. averting my eyes, oh, Lord. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Always groveling. And I'm not worthy. <laughs> no, I think that's a really interesting sort of energy for them to have do we think that death is this actual sort of 
timeless, eternal being? Or is death somebody who was recognized by maybe, maybe this, maybe life is this timeless being and they appointed a really prominent death dealer from ancient history to elevate to the status of, you know, the death god or whatever. I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I like the idea that death, maybe, yeah, if that is the case, they had some form to begin with. Yeah. So when they take a mortal form, it resembles who they used to be. Yeah. But now they have elevated beyond such a thing but yeah, maybe just like to feel that. normal and accept it now and then they they're like oh i like to look like this occasionally i'll yeah. put on my skin suit and i'll come down so i can like party <laughs> with you guys so you don't all start weeping and pissing your pants every time i show up i i always show up as like a chair full of eyes like the old testament <laughs> angels or something like that and i figured i'd i'd throw you guys a bone this week and <laughs> yeah, show up as just this like sexy warlord that i used to be you know now okay quick tangent on our beautiful story that we're creating now i'm just picking <laughs> Because I'm thinking about, of course, death takes a holiday and meet Joe Black and all that stuff. It's like, but it's the modern era and death has to make a Tinder profile. Oh my god! <laughs> and they're like, man, I have to like get a good skin suit so this lady slash man doesn't run away from me. I mean, another fun adventure for death. Like, again, like find him a girlfriend. Yeah, exactly. Find her, find, find a, death. A love. Find them a a boyfriend or girlfriend or you know, I think that'd be a fun thing to do with death, right? If it's not if it's not them hiring you to kill a bunch of people, if it's not them hiring you to find out who's trying to sabotage death in the world then you know maybe it's them just saying i'm just bored and i want to go back to living a life again you know maybe i do this for a little while can you guys help me out i've forgotten what it's like on the mortal plane you know um, <laughs> i'm just trying to picture like all the deadliest things and i'm like you've matched with a great white shark <laughs> like, or a, like whatever i'm game yeah, it's like, hell ones. yeah me and the shark let's do it <laughs> absolutely i also that kind of gets me thinking about you know, talking about the idea of an end game adventure being somebody messing with the system, right? Mm -hmm. What would be someone's motivation for messing with the system? You know, maybe it is a wizard that's trying to steal all of the souls before they can get to the underworld. Maybe I've got ideas may, too. See, my my other idea that I wanted to touch on here is maybe uh, thinking about. You know, we talked about if there's a cleric or a paladin in the party that says, I don't want to just go kill people willy nilly. Maybe there is like a sect of clerics that says death has gone too far. Every, people don't have to die. Mm -hmm. We die because death draws our name from a list. It's mm -hmm. a lottery. We could stop death from doing that and we would all live together, live forever. Yeah. So that would be this kind forever of like, together. forever together. Yeah. <laughs> it would be this sort of like noble ambition of granting eternal life to everyone on the planet, but it's so short sighted. It's like the opposite of the Thanos problem. Exactly. Where it's like wiping out half the universe doesn't actually solve problems that there, you know, we would suddenly, our infrastructure would collapse. We wouldn't have half of the, you know, the, it, say one industry was hit disproportionately. Mm -hmm. What if every garbage collector, you know, was killed just by some like fluke in statistics? Then yeah. suddenly we have garbage piling up everywhere, you know, <laughs> like that, that wouldn't really work, right? So this short sighted notion that everyone could live forever if we just, you know, stopped death from doing their job mm -hmm. would be a very interesting, complicated motivation to kind of come up against. So yeah. how do you convince that group of clerics that what they're doing isn't the right way to go about doing it, you know? Well, I just thought of an interesting question to tack onto that. So let's just say, for the sake of it, this group of clerics succeeded. Let's say they got rid of death, and death yeah. is no longer causing people to die. But 
people are continually being born and they're all getting in each other's spaces and human beings are flawed and angry people. Yeah. Will they still, if they try to kill somebody, will that person die? I, I think what or would happen is... will they stab is, them and then they'll just be like, wow, I'm now full of wounds, but I'm yeah. still alive and in horrible pain. That's what I was picturing is you you can no longer There's die, no but you can still experience like pain and misery. Ooh, so yikes, people would conti- Yeah, people would continue to live forever. But they're all just miserable, you know, and what's better, a short but happy life or an eternal but tragic, miserable, painful life. Follow up quest. Yeah. We have to bring back death. One of us has to ascend to death. Oh, my God. I love that. That's so cool. Replacing death on their throne of flesh or whatever. (laughs) Throne of flesh. The throne of skulls and doilies. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Another thing that I just want to throw in here doesn't have to be a part of any of this, but I liked the idea of someone simply, if somebody found out, maybe by talking to an agent of death, about the way that death works in his office with his list or her list or their list, they would say, well, all I have to do is sneak into that office, find that list, and erase my name, and then I will live forever. And so that could also be the start of another quest of some kind, where death comes and says, I had a name written here, but it's gone now. And I don't, like, I need... Track down all my records. Pour through them all. This will be an exciting adventure. <laughs> Cross-reference all of my lists of death across thousands of years, party. Well, no, maybe they'll they'll say, I'm like, there's an immortal out there who is not supposed to be that way. And I need you to mm. find them. Like, suss them out for me. I like that. Like, I, also... I need to put their name back on the list. But when they erased the name, I can no longer recall who they are. I maybe like... it leaves me- death's memory and they can't remember oh. them anymore. Oh, that's cool. So, like, the, the list is, like, their... They, the list is like part of them, right. basically. I think that would be an interesting thing that death fraud would be yeah. like a crime that you could commit. It would be like the highest crime you could possibly commit. Because then you in, could cheat death. Yeah, exactly. In a society where everyone has to agree that death is a necessary thing and that if death isn't carried out in the kind of pre-prescribed way, it works out really, really badly for everybody. Nobody can cheat the system. Even if one or two people squeaking by wouldn't be the end of the world. If one person, you know, if you give a mouse a cookie, right? Like the floodgates <laughs> will open. Um, I, I think that's a really, really interesting thing. So what would be the punishment for death fraud? Would it be like in eternity? It, you know, maybe they would say, cool, you're not going to die. You got your wish, but we're going to, you know, like Prometheus style, tie you to a rock and have gulls eat out your intestines every single day for all of time. Or I was going like to say that. the punishment should be what we just previously described. Yeah. It's like, oh, you get yeah. to live forever, but people will constantly attempt to kill you and you will never die and you will feel every inch of pain absolutely yikes i i think that's really interesting so these are a couple different kind of starter scenarios that we have here that i think are really fun Mm -hmm. is there anything else that you want to i mean do we want to maybe talk about what the personification of life is like or what maybe a little a little more in depth what you would have to do as a you know, like a normal mortal D&D party member to ascend to this position of death would be like, what would you have to do? Would you have to kill a million people and have, Yikes. you know, the the universe like look upon you in terror or something like that? Like, I think you would need to prove that you're really good at making lists <laughs> yes, and of course. Okay. Uh, be imp- an impartial judge. I feel like great. a judge on a high court would be a great candidate oh, for death. I like that. Yeah, yeah, you would be like, "Hey, you've ruled over so many cases. I think you would be the next best person for this." I like I like the legal aspect of yeah. this. That death is sort of like all of the death has a team of lawyers that are like, "No, we've judged when you, you know, the the circumstances in which it is fair and necessary for you to die and the circumstances in with you under which you can keep going on living right yeah. and there's this whole there's the bureaucracy but there's also like this tangled legal web yeah. of 
how this whole system works. Mm-hmm. I think that's really neat. Like I'm now just picturing an, an entire session where it's just a big fancy court proceeding. And it's like, we will now rule on the case of who will be the new death. Oh my God. Okay. The court so is th- in session. They would totally be like a, like a sassy, like judge Judy type figure oh, judge. Yeah. Right. And every time they would make a ruling, they would, you know, I, I'm sure there would be plenty of situations where, You'd go into death court or whatever, and you'd be thinking like, "Oh, okay, it's you know, I'm going to go this in week and- on death court." <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be tried by a by a jury of my peers, right? And you'd go in, and it's just you and the judge, and you're like, "That's weird." And the judge would look at you. They'd basically pull out a book, and they'd say, "Ah, okay, so um, let's see. Uh, you've got three kids. Um, you know, you you own a home. Uh, you give to charity all the time. You've you know, you've you've lived a pretty good life. You've done a lot." Um, all right, cool. You're going to die next. And they go, sorry, hold on. Wait, what? You can't just decide that. And the judge would like put on their sunglasses and they'd go, I actually can because I'm judge, jury and executioner. Hey. And then they like throw <laughs> oh you God. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you, and then you just, you know, you'd die. They'd yeah. point at you and finger of death you or whatever and you'd be dead. Exactly. Yeah. They should definitely, I'm picturing a human looking person who definitely has just one skeleton <laughs> hand because you need that cool yeah, of course. skeleton hand thing. Of course, the, the hand of death. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I just thought of another uh, fun reference that I should have mentioned earlier. Um, one of my favorite episodes from Adventure Time is when they have to go uh, to find death because who mm. dies? What is it? Uh, I don't remember, but I think it's a plant. It's one of Jake's plants yeah. dies. And so they have to go down there to go get the plant back and isn't death just like a skeleton dog or something yeah like he's that? got like, like a, a white cool, suit yeah, yeah like a horse skeleton yeah, face i think and yeah he's just like a cool southern guy who's like taking care of his garden yeah and in the end um i love that he kisses jake and he re- gets his memories back and he's like what was that and he's like kiss a death baby you just got your <laughs> memories back and it's like super good yeah god i love adventure time that guy was so smooth. much i miss that show yeah yeah so many excellent characters in that show um <laughs> yeah that's that's really cool um you know, another actually interesting kind of personification of death that I just thought of, Red Death from Venture Time. Oh, Red um, Death. Oh, my God. The recently canceled, again, rest in peace, Venture Time, recently canceled uh, Adve- uh, uh, Venture Bros. Brothers. Yes. Um, <laughs> Red Death. Voiced by Clancy Brown. Oh Always a plus, but he's just this so cool, like, he's just, just a man with no skin, basically. He's just a big, like, <laughs> muscle skeleton man. But he's married um, to this beautiful, like, normal woman yeah. with like, um, blonde hair, has a little daughter with her. <laughs> and he's just, like, the ultimate villain. Like, all the other villains are like, he's the best. He's so good at what he does. He kills for the pure joy of it. Like, it's so, he's so great. And he just rides around and he always has this crazy monologue and he's got, like, uh, he's got, like, a jet powered scythe or something like that. Well, he, he rides on, like, a flaming horse yeah that's what it yeah. is yeah. yeah so so cool um, i love when um the monarch uh tries to blackmail him by like saying that they have his <laughs> wife and he gives them such a scary call on the phone that they're like why did we do this well he does the he does the uh the taken. i have a particular set of skills yeah. thing from taken yeah um okay so you know i guess thinking about that we haven't really decided actually what our death looks like so we kind of like kinda, the shape-shifting thing the, the shape-shifting thing okay just, what's the shape that they typically take though when they're just chilling in their office though you know like what would you look like if you were just wanting to be a casual uh personification of death um i think i'd be a a cat just a cat, just a cat? normal cool. cat I like yeah that. just a cat at a typewriter or maybe the cat's got a little like uh quill pen in its hand and its it, paw and it's they, writing you, all these things and it's got little glasses on and you, you come in and you see this cat and you're like 
what a cat and he's like yeah obviously you'd be <laughs> Does the, it surprise you the, really the sassy puppet cat from sabrina the teenage witch like exactly. the original it'd be salem. Joan Hart one. Yeah, yeah salem yeah <laughs> yeah where they're always just like well i am a cat and they do like a little their little like stick hands like yeah. do stuff or whatever oh my god i like that i i like the idea of death being just kind of like a common mundane animal i mm-hmm. think there is there's another um like celtic myth that death takes the form of just like a black dog mm-hmm. i think that just comes into town and all the spirits like follow it out the grim yeah just yeah like from harry potter <laughs> yes. it's an omen of death exactly uh <laughs> which i'm yeah you know probably jk rowling just stole that from yeah but uh i i think that's <laughs> I, I i think that's a cool one cool so just a cool cat a i think black yeah cat. i think you if you were trying uh in one of these quests to get to death's office and you know stop something or confront them you <laughs> kick open the doors after how many months of pain and torture and yeah. trials and there's this little kitty sitting there a little typewriter it's like hello can i help you and you're like yeah where's death it's like oh that's me i'm death yeah, are you are you death's like secretary or pet or something i don't really understand what's going on here it's like no i'm death yeah which again makes me think of venture bros in the way that every time uh morpheus goes into the closet orpheus Orpheus goes into the closet to like go see his dark master he's always in a different form yeah it's always h john benjamin being like hey i dressed as your sexy ex-wife this time right or Or i'm I'm like a weird horse or i'm cerberus yeah (laughs) <laughs> no, that that's cool. I do like the idea that, you know, like I said, it's scary to go see your boss and ask for a raise. If your boss is death, whenever you go in, death can just mess with you and take on a different form depending mm-hmm. on if it thinks you're worthy of a raise or not. They can go with a super intimidating form or they can go with a, you know, fun, comfy, cuddly cat form. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's cool. Death having just whims and being sort of flighty in the same way that humans are like kind of like in a in a grief greek mythology way that you know all gods are projections of like human flaws i think that's a really interesting thing especially that this personification of death used to be human yeah and maybe they hang on to a lot of those flaws still Mm -hmm. that's really fun so so i think we have uh yeah we have a couple really interesting adventures here so Mm -hmm. we've got the you know you could be hired by a death merchant to escort their caravan you could be hired by death to go and take over for the general yeah you could be hired by death to find who's messing with them there's a whole bunch of different things that you can death go can and hire find that immortal who erased their name from their list yeah, absolutely there, there's a handful of really interesting adventure seeds that i think we have for you so we would encourage you to find a nice little patch of dirt to plant those seeds in and see what they can grow into exactly uh, i and think then, that'd be really fun yeah please tell us about it absolutely yeah if you want to reach out to us and tell us about how you utilize our fun ideas here piper where should our listeners go to go and do that well you can either tweet us uh, on twitter uh, we're at World Forge Pod, or you can send us a little old email. Uh, we are World World Forge Pod at gmail.com. <laughs> Absolutely, and we love, 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 love hearing from you guys. We get so much awesome feedback. We've been getting a, a lot of cool feedback the last month or so that we've been doing these Fright Forge episodes with requests for new topics for episodes and and things like that. And we definitely are going to get to some of those. Just you know, we had to get through all of our spooky Halloween stuff here. Yes. So we are really, really happy to do some of that stuff. We really encourage you if you have ideas for episodes that you want us to you know explore a specific trait or a trope or a topic or if you have a world that you want us to help build please please let us know contact us either one of those ways and we will do our best to put something together for you that we think will be worthy of your D games uh short of that uh <laughs> you know that, that's about all we've got for these adventures so i think it's time for us to hop on over to the next section of the show the rec room, the rec room yeah and we actually have a really really cool uh recommendation this week we were lucky enough to be given an early review copy well not early anymore it actually released on 
on Friday now. At the time of this uh, <laughs> release, it'll have been out for, for two or three days. But uh, we were given a review copy of Galifax's Guide to Everything Evil. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Yes, it's a really fun DMs Guild supplement that's created by uh, our friends over at uh, Inferential Studios. Uh, it's such an awesome supplement. I was looking through it earlier today, and it's like – it's like 70 or 80 pages or something. It's got different archetypes for every single class or just about every class, different evil versions of them. It's got a bunch of evil items. It's got evil monsters. It's actually what I think the most valuable thing is, is a little guide on how to run an evil campaign and not have all of your players kind of be at each other's throats constantly. It sort of talks about that group dynamic and how to be evil, but not be a dick while doing it sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really neat. And it gives some kind of helpful sort of scenarios and guides on what it's like to be the only evil player in a group full of good players or the only good player in a group full of evil characters. And I think that's a really important, valuable thing, sort of having those boundaries and understanding how to have fun while being evil and how to make sure everybody else is having fun while being evil too. That can be a really difficult thing to balance. Um, yeah, there's just so much cool stuff in here. Like there's, there's, like I said, different archetypes for every class. There's actually one that I really wanted to talk about specifically uh, that I thought was neat was the Circle of Devastation Druid. So basically what this is is it's a druid that they tap into like the they're like an avatar of the chaos of nature and so they gain the ability to speak with all elementals and for their wild shape instead of taking the form of an animal they basically can take the form of like a powerful storm so they can become like the the avatar of like a lightning storm or a firestorm and they do one of the bonus they get is they can do double damage to all structures and objects like they're just this embodiment of chaos and destruction i think that is so 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 cool i love that um i think druids especially are a class that i never see a lot of really good evil options for them they're Mm -hmm. always kind of positioned as this good or neutral force and so i love this idea of like no they just enjoy the idea of destruction that's really really fun for me so that's awesome that's a uh galifax's guide to everything evil uh is the name of that supplement and we'll include a link to that uh in the show notes for you all to go check out and we highly highly encourage you to do it there's some really really fun stuff in there um piper you look like you have some you you're jumping up and down in your seat you've got maybe some closing thoughts on (laughs) some of our our creations here did you want to circle back to that really quick yeah just one last thing to end on um i had a bit of an epiphany while you were sharing all those awesome ideas just now and i feel as if this dynamic between life and death they should also be a married couple oh yeah i love that that's great and i feel like because we were talking about how death has this ability to be in multiple places at once yeah when you see death in the office and death is working on their list at the same time like it's their id versus their ego essentially they're like oh there's another part of me that's always with my 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 partner or whatever and i feel like if you went into the room where they are together they would either always be dancing with one another or they're sword fighting together or they're always doing something where they're like going back and forth with each other on some kind of activity and it's that kind of balance i think that could be that activity could be sort of descriptive of what the balance is like currently right. if, there, if there's a lot more people dying than there are then they're doing yeah, yeah. Uh, a sword fight exactly yeah. like if spring is more of a lion than a lamb right mm-hmm. like yeah you're, you're seeing that and if things are really peaceful if it's totally at balance, that's where they're like kind of dancing, having, just, a, like, having a conversation, or yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's such a cool visual. Thank um, you. And at every time point... <laughs> you walk into their office, you'd see something. You never know what you're going to what you're going to get. Exactly. Yeah. Like sometimes you'd open the door and they'd just be on a seesaw together. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Or maybe they're playing badminton. For sure. For yeah. sure. That, that's really really cool. That's a great extra addition there. I, I love that. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, yeah. That's. I think that's about all I oh, got. Do you have anything else here? I just wanted to say. Oh my god, Piper's. You're on a roll here. This is like lightning <laughs> round for Piper. Keep 
going. Just keep the hits keep coming. Well, because I was thinking about the fact that death sometimes is a cat, and so I'm like, yeah. sometimes you'd see them, and it would be like Bjork and her cat husband. <laughs> Of course. And they're just like doing a weird little dance in their living room, making a music video for Bjork. We've definitely (laughs) mentioned this before, but go go and look up the Triumph (laughs) Triumph of a Heart music video by Bjork. She's got a little cat husband and (laughs) he he dances around. It's really excellent. So yeah, that'll, if you need something to brighten your day after, after a month of spooky, dreary, sad Halloween, uh, you know, evil themed episodes, we can leave you with a fun little. (laughs) <laughs> Icelandic uh, Bjork cat exploration uh, exactly. music video there. Yeah, yeah that that's great. Um, I I love all these so far. We've we've gotten a, like a handful of little juicy nuggets for adventures here for you. So let's go ahead and leave the listeners with that. Agreed. This week, uh, listeners, please please go forth and utilize all of these things. And if you really enjoyed what we did this week, consider leaving us a review on your podcasting app of choice. If you want to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star rating and a nice little comment. That's one of the best ways that you can get our show in front of new listeners and help us grow. And it also just makes our day every time we do it. So please consider sharing with a friend or leaving a review. That's always so, so, so uh, appreciated by us. And if we really like your review, we'll, we'll read it on air and we'll, we, we have a few more of those. I think that we should be reading that I've, just it slipped my mind to include them so we'll have probably a big thank tank uh coming up here in in the coming weeks but um yeah if you want to do that or yeah again if you want to share any ideas for upcoming episodes with us please let us know uh we've always got plenty of ideas ourselves but we love to explore what you guys have going on because if it can be something that you can tie into one of your games that you already have running you know that's just so that's awesome we want to help you guys we want to help you to build bigger and better so consider doing that but uh that is it i I think think. that's it yeah for our we're wrapping up our halloween month next week we'll be back probably we'll do something really cheery next week ideally yeah yeah that'd be kind of nice no more spooky tims yeah it has been fun i will be still in a mentally spooky state for the next few weeks anyway yeah certainly it always rolls over until thanksgiving i feel like (laughs) i i agree with that but uh yeah i i think uh we'll try and have something we all need a little bit of a pick-me-up in these dark times so Mm -hmm. this is unfortunately 2020 is a weird year to say let's just do something really sad and grim for an entire month so it's easy to tap into those emotions <laughs> That's certainly Makes the true. creation process simple. Certainly, that is the case. Yeah. So, uh, I, I guess, yeah, bearing that in mind, we'll see what happens. But I'm inclined to do something really nice Let's <laughs> next do it. week. So, yeah. uh, we will again thank you for listening, uh, and leave you this week with all of that. We love you all, listeners, and goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.